Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Good. Well, um, I'm Chelsea. I'm Beth. Hi, there's, ladies. There's two of us. Um, oh, I'm aware. I'm excited. I love what you're doing and that you've been friends and that you're sharing and doing the podcast and inspiring moms. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, oh of course. Th- thank you so much. So um, what we, what we want to do is we want to just kind of give you some insight into who we are. I mean, you know, obviously it sounds like you've either listened to the podcast or you've um, read our profile and, you know, kind of a little bit about who we are, but we want to just introduce ourselves and tell you a little bit, a little bit more. And then um, obviously we want to get to know you uh, and just kind of your journey into where you are right now. Um, And, you know, kind of the path that it took to get you there and just, you know, we have some questions and we like this to be um, very organic and authentic. And so just kind of wherever the conversation goes, um, we do some editing, but not a whole lot, because again, we like it to just be like a very organic experience for the listeners. And so, um, so yeah, so Chelsea, you want to tell her who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, well, <laughs> I own a dance studio um, and I've had it for uh, 13 years. Um, Beth and I went to high school and college together and um, my plan was to be a lawyer. So my undergrad's in political science. Um, I have a 12-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, the two-year-old is um, not, they don't share the same dad. <laughs> I was, I'm divorced. Uh, I was married for, um, I don't even know. Seven, eight years. Ten. Well, legally, I think it was like 10, 10 and a half years or something like that. <laughs> uh, so... Um, <laughs> We don't keep a calendar of those things. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I travel a lot. Like, I I judge. I am definitely always hustling, working. I also coach a high school palm team. Um, yeah, so I'm busy all the time. Um, my two-year-old dad and I are together. Um, we did baby at first sight instead of marriage at first sight. So... <laughs> Um, Beth introduced us, so she actually. Did you really, Beth? Wow! I did. Yes, I. I now I. I take um accountability for the introduction, but obviously (laughs) did not anticipate two months later the (laughs) the prize of a lifetime. You're officially a matchmaker. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. she she felt the chemistry apparently. So, (laughs) um. But we are still together three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, still no engagement ring, and um, it's not a that's not a sore topic or anything. Yeah. Do no, you want? Is. Do you want to remarry? Um, I I would one hundred percent remarry. He's never been married, never had kids. He was like a forty year old bachelor. Yeah, living his best life until, I mean, it's still his best life, but. 
It's even better now. <laughs> it's even better now. And I have switched his funding from alcohol to us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. From like wow. trips to Vegas trips, and gambling yeah. and all the yeah, things. So, all the things. So um, fun. Yeah. So that's a small, a small little situation for me that I, I live daily. My 12 year old um, is amazing. Is a little girl. And my two-year-old's a little boy. So she's like an awesome babysitter. Yes. She's like the best big sister ever. You have a built-in babysitter. That's priceless. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Tony doesn't know. I actually was, I think I should charge him for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, Chelsea. That's hilarious. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, should, you know what, Chelsea, you should charge him and then put it in your daughter's bank account. Exactly. Well, um, side note, he actually is very kind to her. So he like Aww. yesterday she watched him because she doesn't really she just started staying home alone with him. Like right. it's a new thing because she's very cautious. And um, so am I actually. <laughs> so um, yesterday he texted her and was like, I'll take you to Ulta on a shopping trip. Aww. So, oh my gosh, it's like a dream. It's my dream. Forget about yeah. a dream. Well, it's dream. It's yeah. Dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, so she's like super into pageants and dance. So she's like the expensive girly girl for sure. Hmm. So, um, yeah, he definitely does her well, better than me sometimes. Anyways, you know what? That's a blessing. I'm happy I to know. hear that. I know. He's the keeper, Chelsea. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, if he would just put a ring on it, it would be official. <laughs> it's going to happen, girl, when it's supposed to. You want everything done yesterday. When you say you're a hustler, you're not kidding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> obviously, yeah. Nothing, she's not. Nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of respect for hustlers. But you know what? When a man, when you see how a man treats your children, especially when he's not their father, I think that says a lot about a man and his character. Yeah, for sure. He he is really awesome to her. Um, and of course to his son. I mean, yeah, he he is he is great. He's he's great. <laughs> he is great. We just we're just waiting. My I actually just got rid of my doormat because we I had a doormat made. Mr. and Mrs. Ponce de Leon. And then underneath it, it just said, it said, eventually he just hasn't asked yet. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what? I love that you were manifesting everything you want into the universe. That's of course. So empowering. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. She knows what she wants. That's for sure. Yeah, I so. think that's so important for women and men to have clarity on what do you want and go get it. Yeah, he needs to get clear for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. And I hope he listens to this. Um, he, do, do you well, know if he listens to your podcast? Yeah, he, he will. He's actually tech, um, not tech savvy. I was going to say terrible word. So he's not, He's he has no idea how to use technology. So um, <laughs> typically he says, what was your podcast about? But the better part is that his mom 100 percent listens oh, to 100%. us. Oh, 100 percent. So, like, hopefully, should, I'll everything. tell. This is to you, Gloria. Relay this message to yourself. 
You got to watch what you say, Chelsea. Your mother-in-law is listening in here. (laughs) I keep it honest. I think she's on the same page as me. Yeah, for sure. Why wouldn't she be? I mean, why wouldn't she want that for for her son? Of course. Of course. Every mother wants that. I have two teenage boys. I I can't wait for the day when they say, you know what, mom? I'm in love. I want to get married. We had a baby. I mean, the baby comes before the marriage. Hey, I'm not going to judge that. <laughs> like, yeah. you want a beautiful union, and it sounds like you're off to a great start. So. Yeah, I think so, too. But I have a two-year-old boy, and I don't ever want him to get married. <laughs> you just, you're, that's going to change. Trust me. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Might fight somebody. Because I'm all to yourself right now, but that's yeah, and he's like the cutest thing ever too. So I think that I know her giving her giving Grayson away is going to be the hardest. Mm-hmm. I feel like I think that'll be harder for you than it will be you giving Paisley away. Yeah, I actually think Paisley's scared of men. I've done a good job at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You're, you're older and mine too. So, um, well, Chelsea, that was a great introduction into who you are. (laughs) Um, so I'll, uh, I'll keep mine a little short. Um, so I have two two kids. Yeah. I'm trying to think where to even start here. So, um, I have two daughters Uh, One that is five um, and then one that is nine. And so I have a kindergartner and a a fourth grader. So a a gap there, but it seems to work for both of them. Um, They, they play well together. Mostly Um, the, the nine-year-old loves to uh, definitely control what the five-year-old does for sure. (laughs) Um, She's a a little bit of her mom. Um, just a little bit. Yeah. So, um, and then I actually, I work in the corporate world. So I'm a, uh, technical recruiter, um, for a, it's a, it's a local utility company that's headquartered here in Tulsa, but we're in, uh, three different States. And so it's actually one of the top five largest utility companies in the country. Um, but, um, so my job is like, it's, I mean, it's kind of boring. So, you know, I I could talk about it, but I don't want to bore you or our listeners anymore than I feel like sometimes they already are um, when I talk about work. So it's, I I do love what I do. Um, I have a passion for recruiting because I I, I love helping people. Um, And I feel like that's ultimately kind of what led me into this career. And um, even if it's just, you know, getting somebody an interview or, talking to someone about, you know, a job or, you know, area that they're interested in. Um, I've been married to my husband for 11 years now. Um, He actually was my college professor. Wow. Um, And uh, yeah, so we met when he was an adjunct professor of mine at OSU However, we did not date in college. I always like to make sure I put that in there. Mm. Um, we just, you know, we're together for a semester, just in class. I would see him sometimes out at the bars. I always thought he was really cute. Um, he was a runner like I am. And so we, I felt like we had a lot in common, but obviously never crossed that boundary. And then 
I had a serious boyfriend. We broke up. And like a year after he and I broke up, I ran in literally ran into my uh, now husband. He was, he was running on, um, this, uh, running track trail that we have here in Tulsa. And I was actually riding my bike and I saw him. And then I actually made the first move and Facebook messaged him. Um, because I just was like, I don't know, maybe he's doesn't have a girlfriend and anyway. And then, um, we were pretty like, we were together like right away. We moved in together after three months. And then after like eight or nine months, we got engaged. Um, and so it was a pretty quick, but we were, you know, in our upper twenties, we had kind of dated and knew what we wanted. So it, it moved rather quickly, but anyway, so we, um, have built a, a nice little life together for the last, you know, 13 years. And um, yeah, so that is just a little bit about myself. Um, we, Chelsea and I started this podcast this year. It was a goal that I had in 20, for 2022 to start a podcast. And I thought, who better else to do this with than my very best friend, Um, as you know, or as we've said, we've known each other for 25 years. We met whenever we were, uh, 15, 14, 13 or 14. Yeah. Eighth grade. We were like eighth grade and her brother, um, was actually in the school that I went to before Chelsea did. And anyway, so he was like, you and Chelsea would get along and, you know, all this stuff, be nice. He was like, be nice to her. Like I was going to be real mean. <laughs> and so we just like met whenever she started going to the school and just instantly connected and have, you know, Chelsea like lived with me at one point. Wow. Um, as she said, like we went to college together. We never actually officially lived together in college, but we were over at each other. We, we should have lived together in college, but, um, so we've got lots of things to talk about, lots of funny stories and moments that, you know, we both look back on and think how, how the hell did we survive any of that? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, so we just thought this would be fun to do together and just reminisce about, you know, all the things that we've been through in our lives, um, fun times, sad times, you know, all of those things. And so more fun, I feel like than sad, but. So that is, you know, in a nutshell, who we are and why we started this podcast. And so, um, so we were very excited to talk to you because I feel like you are such a great match for us. And um, I love just reading through your profile about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and having um, a true passion for what you're doing. And, and so you know, how about you just give us a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, where you're from, just all of that stuff. Sure. I, first of all, I just want to say I love the fact that you're lifelong friends and that you still treasure that and that you have this real sisterhood. Although you're, you're not sisters, you're sharing the journey together. And that truly inspires me. And I think that every woman needs her own Chelsea or her own Beth. I really do. Someone who's going to see you through it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like I say with my younger sister, from shit to sunshine. Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you two have each other. Yeah. So um, a little bit about me. I'm uh, a mother of two teenage boys. And, uh, you know, I'm divorced. So I'm a single mom. And I have, yeah, I, it took me eight years to, to get divorced. <laughs> so I consider that a huge feat. It was a long, difficult journey. And that was really, it was one of the most challenging times of my life. But when I look back on it, it was one of the most rewarding times of my life because I feel like it was a metamorphosis. It was, um, it's been a journey of self-discovery because when I was married, I had lost myself, my identity in my marriage. And I didn't know who I was going to be outside of the marriage. And I was, I was so afraid and scared to be on my own, which was, which sounds like, you know, confusing, or it sounds like a dichotomy. It's like, oh, you want to get out of the marriage, you want a divorce, but you're afraid to be on your own. That doesn't make any sense. If you were that afraid, then why didn't you just stay? Because a lot of women do. So um, yeah, I think that a lot of times, you know, we are afraid to take a certain step or to embark on a certain journey or to discover certain aspects of ourselves or our relationships. But, you know, there are going to be failures, there are going to be cracks, but that's where the light gets in. And that's when the magic and the beauty happens. And it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I have literally had in my life, I'm in my mid fifties, I'm, I'm 52. I have had four seismic career shifts. So when I say seismic, I'm talking about, I don't know anybody in the industry. I don't know anybody doing that job. Anybody who could tell me anything about it or introduce me to anyone. So, you know, when you're in your fifties and you want to have, you know, longevity, familiarity, a feeling of being settled and prospering, it's like you're constantly shifting careers. Um, it can be very unsettling and you could feel like you're losing the ground and someone's pulling the rug out from under you. But I um, have found ways to embrace it and to just keep growing and finding my own purpose. And it's led me down this incredible journey. This sounds, sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would think that, I mean, I feel like you're, I feel like both Chelsea and I can relate to everything that you just said, or at least some of what you just said. I know for me specifically, you know, you mentioned that you've changed industries, you know, four or five times in your career. And I mean, I've definitely have done that recently. And, and, you know, I went from healthcare to oil and gas, which are two completely opposite industries. Um, the only thing I would say that they have in common is they're both very conservative. Um, mm. I was but, a recruiter uh, as well, Beth. I was oh, also okay. a, a recruiter. And you know what? You're helping so many people. I don't know if you recognize the impact that you're having because there's a lot of people that need that support and that assistance and would not be doing what they're doing if it weren't for you. And I, you know what? I'll never forget when I was a recruiter, I was working at a high-end 
uh, personnel agency in New York City. They were at the top of their game. I went to them because I was switching careers and industries and I wanted to explore. And I remember talking to the owner and he said, you know what, Eleni, we're not going to have you know, any um, news or updates for you in the next week or two, because we're switching offices and moving up. And I was like, really? I was like, what's going on? Are you expanding? And he said, yes. And I said, do you have an empty desk? And he said, yes. For who? And I said, for me. And he was like, you? Really? And I was like, why not? What have I got to lose? And he was like, okay, let's do this. Like he, you know, um, knew that I was a little bit of a hustler and was looking to make a career change. And they basically handed me a desk and a phone and they were like, you know, figure it out. Good luck. (laughs) And I, I ended up, this is a a great story I shared with some friends and family recently, and it inspired them. So I hope it inspired you. There was a young girl who was working in finance And she was making a lot of money, had a lot of perks, a lot of benefits. And she was like, Eleni, I'm so miserable. She was like, I'm so unfulfilled. She was like, and my friends make fun of me because they're like, you're the only one that can afford to go away. You're the only one who can afford your own apartment. You're the only one. But she's like, at the end of the day, I'm not happy. And it's like, I can't say it to my friends because they see the dollar signs and they see the lifestyle that I'm living and they don't, you know, they don't feel for me. And I'm like, I hear you and I feel you and we'll figure it out. And she, and we literally, she never thought she was going to be able to walk away from that job. She never thought that she was going to find, you know, um, a career that was meaningful and full of passion and purpose. And she left finance under, you know, um, my support and direction. Uh, she left finance and I found her a job in the cosmetics industry. And 25 years later, I walked into, I, I've been an actress and a model, just to let your listeners in on a little bit of my history. I've been an actress and a model in New York City for uh, 25 years and counting. And, you know, 25 years later, I walked into a modeling gig. And this was during COVID. So we were all masked up. Uh-huh. And there were protocols in place. My industry got annihilated. This was when it yeah. was us just starting to open back up. So we're all in masks and everyone's keeping their space and their distance. And I hear a voice like, Eleni, what's up, girl? And I was like, who is that? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea who these people are. Like you're walking in on a job. You don't know these people and who they are and who hired you and who the producers are, who the photographer is. And I did not expect it. And I looked up And she was like, it's me, it's Jasmine. And I was like, she pulled her mask off and let me see her face, put her mask back on. And then I was like, oh my God, like, are you kidding me? And we just like, you know, we're having this moment. And and then she started to tell everybody on the set the story of how I launched her career. And now she's still in this same company and, you know, has worked her way up as an executive and hired me to represent their global cosmetic brand. And I was like, wow, this is a full circle moment. And she was like, you launched my career. You changed my life. And I was literally weeping. Oh, that is so amazing. Oh my gosh. I love to hear that. I mean, 
So that remember, you're changing lives. It may not feel like it, but I'm sure that you're impacting people's lives. You know, it's funny in healthcare, I definitely felt that way. She impacted mine. I impacted Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recruited Chelsea's husband or partner, not husband yet. Yeah, um, husband. No, I, I felt that way in healthcare, you know, even though I wasn't, um, obviously doing direct patient care, but I was hiring the people that were. And so in healthcare, I always felt, you know, like I was making a direct impact to the, you know, someone's life, you know, whether that's hiring a CV tech that can, um, you know, find like some heart issues or, you know, anything like that. So, but in oil and gas and utility, it's been a little bit, that's, I think that's, the part that's a little more challenging for me is that um, what I haven't felt like I've You're made an impact. Raising our electric bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's gas. gas. It's not electric anyway. Um, but, you know, but with you saying that, I think that even if I just help someone review their resume to then go and apply to uh maybe not a position with our company, but with a position with like their dream company. I mean, I did a resume review for a previous coworker in 2021 and cause like Apple is her dream place, you know, to, uh, to work. And so, you know, I was helping her kind of look at her resume. That's not necessarily something that she's good at. And, you know, I, she didn't get a job at Apple, but she did, she did get a job at another company that, um, was a, a pretty nice little increase for her and that she felt like it was going to be the right direction for her. But anyway, so I do feel like I make an impact. It just sometimes is a little, it is hard to remember that. It is. I think for all of us, I think that no one's out there, you know, holding up signs. Like, um, I, I know that one of you like ran a marathon. I can't remember if it was Chelsea. I was listening to one of your podcasts. Um, it was me. <laughs> it was, okay. So that wasn't. I, it wasn't, I, it wasn't. It, that's okay. But my, my point is we don't always have someone on the sidelines cheering us on in this journey. And I think that a lot of times we're doing our day-to-day jobs and tasks and we're not, you know, getting cheered and we're not getting recognized and we're underestimating the value of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that when women, I have a lifelong friend who worked um, in the airline industry and she wanted to apply for this promotion. And she was just like, they're, you know, uh, taking me for granted. I haven't gotten a promotion in over 10 years. And I said, yeah. And I said, I asked her, I said, have you ever applied? And no, the answer was no. So I'm like, you're not putting yourself out there. You're not putting yourself in the position. And then it was interesting when I asked that question, she was like, well, I can't do that job and I don't Mm. have this and I don't have that. And I was like, I'm sorry from where I'm standing. That's not true. And I said, I don't, I don't see it that way. And after having a couple of conversations, she must mustered up the courage and the confidence to apply for that job. And they said they were going to interview her. And then she got really afraid and was feeling really insecure. And then I said, let's work on your resume. Let's prep and, and do mock interviews. And she ended up 
getting the job. That's awesome. So you know what? Maybe it's a gas company and you don't think you're making a big impact, but you're giving someone the confidence to do someone else, or maybe they got a better job and they can afford to take a vacation or put their, their kid through school or do something meaningful. So I think that that's important to sit with because we don't always, like I said, have someone cheering us on and we don't always recognize the value of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like as women, it's so interesting that you, you tell that story because as women, we feel like we have to check all the boxes, like on a job mm-hmm. description in order to apply. Yeah. Um, except yes. Chelsea. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, I've learned a lot from Chelsea because she's just so very confident in who she is and her abilities. And I know she has some insecurities, but she's very confident. And I think like if I could just channel a little bit of that, because even for myself, I know I'm good at what I do, but just as your friend, it's hard for me to, even as like a strong woman, it's hard for me to be like, oh, I can do that job. And, you know, I, I, I should apply to that because I always have that in the back of my mind, like, well, I don't meet every qualification or I can't do that. Somebody else does that better. And that imposter syndrome, you know, comes Mm. into play and it is, it's such a hard cycle to get out of, you know, once you're in it. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly, but I, what I would love to share with anybody listening is trust me and believe me when I tell you, you will never ever check off all those boxes. So if that's what you're waiting for, then that day will never come. You have to start that journey, that interview, that new job, that new relationship before those boxes are checked. This is a true story. When I was in between careers, I wanted um, I wanted to get into the hotel industry. I'm like, you know what? I got online. I applied through like Indeed and Monster, blah, blah, blah. I was a headhunter. I was like, I know they're not going to give me the time of day. So I need to do something to set myself apart because on paper, I don't check any of those boxes. I'm not even in that industry, in that realm, right? So I'm an Mm -hmm. actress model. I don't have computer skills. I don't have the software skills. I don't have hotel industry experience. So what gives me the right to go in and apply for this job? Well, I did. I was like, I had my site set on the W Hotel in Manhattan. They're global and worldwide. I was like, I love the hotel. I love the brand. I love their bedding. I love the restaurants. I love the vibe, blah, 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 right? So I told my siblings and my family, I'm one of five kids, one of six. So I have five siblings. And my siblings were like, Eleni, you're wasting your time. Eleni, like, why would you do that? Like, stick to what you know. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes the people you love have good intentions, but they're giving you the worst possible advice. So for sure. Yeah. Let me tell you, I set my sights on the W hotel and I uh, had a position. I looked online, do your homework. I did my homework. I found out a position that was available and I went, I said, you know what? I'm going to put myself in a position to meet someone in person because That's going to set me apart from the rest of them, right? I'm going the extra mile. So I submitted online and I was like, I'm never going to hear back. And I never did. But what I did do is 
I created my resume. I tailored it. I, you know, um, highlighted the skills that I thought would transfer well to the position that they had available. And then my brother was coming up from DC and I said, we're going to go eat at the restaurant in the W hotel. I think it was called the Olive or whatever. And I said, we're going to meet the general manager and they're going to introduce me to the general manager of the hotel. And he's going to take my resume and blah, blah, blah. So I literally had in my head scripted how I was going to get this job offer. And I swear to God, I ended up getting an offer for the position that I wanted exactly the way that I set out by going in person, eating at the restaurant, talking to the restaurant manager, meeting the hotel manager, getting my way in, working my way in, interviewing, knocking it out of the park, and then getting an offer. I will say full disclosure, I did end up turning it down because it was going to be working a lot of overnight and weekend. Not, you know, I had two young kids and I, you know, that was not going to be a good fit for me, but I think that there's a great lesson there because, you know, where there's a will, there is a way. And it sounds cliche, but it's true. On paper, I would have never gotten those interviews. It doesn't matter that I got that I didn't get the job. I ended up declining the job respectfully, but it was a great experience. And you know what? The general manager of the hotel, he was an incredible man, very savvy. He said to me, Eleni, we love you. He said, we have a lot of people, yes, who have hotel experience. And that's a great thing. But what you have, we can't teach. He was like, you could teach the systems and the software and the registrations, and but you can't teach hustle. You can't teach the authenticity, the caring, the desire, the customer service, going the extra mile. You can't teach that. And you have that. And I hire people. I don't hire resumes. And I was mm. like, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, we're in, you know, a lot of the areas and stuff that I work for and and have worked with, it's not necessarily about the warm body. It's about, you know, who the person is and their abilities, but also, you know, not only what they currently have, but what the future looks like for them. And so that's amazing to hear. So I want to make sure that we talk about, um, because, you know, we were looking at your profile and you're an author, correct? Yes, I just published my first children's book, Picky Patrick, just last month, ladies. That's exciting. <laughs> That's so amazing. Okay, I've so- already been on a cross-country book tour. I started oh. in New York City because I also, during COVID, just to give your listeners a little bit of backstory, during COVID, the modeling and acting industry got annihilated. I saw that there was a huge demand and need in the schools, and I wanted to serve my community and give back. So I got certified to become an elementary school teacher. And then I've been doing that since last year during the height of COVID. And during that time, my first children's book launched. So I was able to share it in the schools. And then when school let out, I literally went to Montana, where my cousin and his wife and four girls live. And she took me to colonies. I literally got to read on reservations where they don't even see outsiders. I got to go to, you know, public schools and read across the prairies of Montana. It was an incredible life altering experience. I took my mom with me, by the way. (laughs) Oh, 
fun. What a great experience for both of you. It was. Oh, okay. So tell us like, what inspired you to write a book? My boys inspired me because I was a busy working mom and I was exhausted all the time. And I knew the importance of reading to my children, but most of the time I was so tired, I couldn't keep my eyes open. So Mm -hmm. what I would do is by default, I just started telling them made up stories. And this doesn't always come easily to most people, but as an actress, I'm a storyteller. So it was so easy for me. So I was telling them different stories and then my kids would fall asleep, which was the point, right? (laughs) You're trying to get them to bed. So they would wake up the next morning and they would be like, mom, what happened with the story? Like, how did it end? And I would be like, I don't remember. I was exhausted. Are you kidding me? And my son Zen was in second grade. I'll never forget this. He was coming home every single day. And he was like, mom, Miss Clancy's going to let me make copies of your book with her photocopy machine. And we're going to sell the book in front of the house. Like we would make lemonade stands with my kids. I taught them how to be like little entrepreneurs. So we would make lemonade stands and they were like, we're going to just photocopy the book and sell it in front of the house. They're like, write it down, write your stories down. You need to start. Like, did you, they would come home. Did you write your story down today? And I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, they were the best accountability buddies. Zen and Billy, my children inspired these stories. And the truth is I had a publisher. I had an illustrator. I had a contract and it looked like things were actually going to come to fruition And my marriage fell apart and I lost everything. I lost myself and my identity. I lost my deposit. I lost my desire to write. And um, I had to start over literally from scratch. And I was like, you know what? I, I cannot live this life without keeping my promise to my children and to myself and to, you know, fulfilling this prophecy, because I recognize that this is a legacy that I want to leave behind. So it took me eight years. But last month, I officially launched my children's book. And it makes me so emotional, because eight years is a long time. And I'm like, we have to keep our promises to ourselves. Oh, I love that. That is honestly, that is so inspiring. And um Okay, so your book, your book was inspired by your kids. And so what, what is your, you know, what is your book about, I guess? Um, um, it's we, about, oh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, we're looking at it right now. And um, it's just, it looks like it's a, I don't know, it looks like it's a book that would be like a really good um learning lesson or, you know, some values that are in there too. So if you want to just share a little bit more about it. Yes, please. Oh my goodness. This book um, is really about, it's about Picky Patrick is an eight-year-old boy who seemingly has it all, but he's still picky and ungrateful. And this book is really about letting go of perfection, mm-hmm. letting go of things that you think you need that are beyond your control and rooting and grounding yourself in gratitude and being present and enjoying what you have in the moment every single day. And I feel like 
those these lessons are rooted in social emotional learning and social emotional learning is part of the core curriculum in New York City and other um, states across our country. And I feel like these are lessons. What was that? Not, 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 not Oklahoma. Not in Oklahoma. Wow. Okay. Yeah. In other states, I wasn't, I know you guys, you girls are in Oklahoma. I was not sure, but I honestly truly feel like social emotional learning should be mandatory For in sure. every school, in every home across the country, because what it means is you're teaching your children how to thrive. You're teaching them about self-awareness, problem solving, self-esteem, self-love, tolerance, inclusivity. You cannot do that without the proper resources. Like what I'm doing is I can't walk into a, a first grade classroom and say, good morning. My name is Miss Waxis. I'm going to teach you about inclusivity today. They will just check out. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, I think I would check out as an adult. What I do is I walk in and I say, Guess what? We're going to do story time today. And I'm a substitute teacher in New York City. So sometimes I, like I said, it's part of the core curriculum. So they have to teach it anyway. So I just say, we're going to do story time. And believe me when I tell you, they just light up because they're so used to devices. And like, I walk into classrooms and I have teachers who are like, Oh, the lesson plan is on the board. Just follow the prompts on the YouTube. And I'm like, there's 14 tabs to, for a lesson plan for kindergarten, second grade, third grade. And I'm like, wow. So everything is digital. You have, I walk into kindergarten classrooms. They don't know how to hold a pencil, but they have devices and iPads. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we're getting it backwards. What is wrong with this picture? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I think there's like a balance between the two. Um, because I know in my daughter's schools, you know, they, they, they're trying to teach them because obviously technology is here, it's never going away. And that's just the, I mean, that's just the future. So they're trying, you know, yeah, it's the way of life. So they're trying to get them accustomed to what, you know, their future looks like. And then also, you know, any kind of future careers or anything of that nature. But then um, they do teach them some of the basics. I felt like that, you know, Chelsea and I and probably yourself were taught too. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, it's a kind of crazy world, I feel like, sometimes in, in the school, especially here in Oklahoma, because we're a very conservative state. And so we have a, I mean, we're like, I don't know, between 45 and 50 in education in the country every year. And so um, there's there's some value placed on education and, and public education, but not, I would say, as heavily as other states in our country. And, you know, that's I mean, it's a big problem here in Oklahoma. Um, but my kids schools, you know, they have a counselor that comes in, um, I think it's like once a month and they teach them, uh, they have like 18, um, they call it the essential 18. And so it's 18 principles or characteristics that you should, that they would like for, you know, that school district students to embody and, um, and lead by. And so they, 
come in once a month, they do a lesson and they'll read a book or, you know, have a worksheet or maybe it's a video or a combination of all of it. Um, but I think your, wow. I think your book is not only for kids, but I think adults could. Oh my God. I love that. You said that my brother has three girls, a set of twins and a five-year-old. And he said, Eleni, they, you know, uh, his, his daughter, not the younger ones, are not talking quite yet. They're turning two and they're not verbal yet. But he's like, my five-year-old asks me to read this book all the time. And he's like, I swear to God, every time I read it, I get a, more and more out of it. It's so layered. He's like, it's teaching me things that I wasn't even aware of. And he's like, I'm getting so much out of it. So I love that you said that because you know what I'm realizing? I wrote this book to teach children the values that I didn't learn growing up. And a lot of adults, and I have like a, a middle-aged mom, single mom, and I'm like, I have friends who don't know, how do you self-soothe? How do you, you know, problem solve? When you need help, do you ask for help? If you don't ask for help, then how do you problem solve? Like, these are conversations I'm having this book is really a springboard for those conversations. These are conversations you will hear me having with my classes and with my students. And it's during my read-alouds because I'm going to different schools where I don't teach and do read-alouds of the book or on my book tours. These are the conversations I'm having with these children. And I'm like, the sooner they learn these lessons, the sooner the better off they will be. And these are lessons that will serve them throughout their lifetime. So what I want to do is I'm not just interested in writing another children's book. I incorporated 14 questions in the back that are prompts that get these children thinking and talking and connecting. That's where the magic is. It becomes like a mini mastermind where they're learning from one another. I had this little girl who said to me, I understand after I read my children's book, she came over to me and she's like, I love this book. And I said, thank you. I said, why? And she said, I understand people's feelings better now. Mm. And I was like, wow, wow. This will keep me going until my last breath. If we could teach every person on this planet this lesson, like what a better place and world we would be living in. Yeah. And I think honestly that, you know, like as, um, as I, as we both and all raise kids, I think that there's always like this level of perfectionism. I know for like my oldest, Mm -hmm. she, I mean, she's nine and she, you know, if her letters or numbers aren't perfect on her homework, she'll erase it. And, you know, it has to be straight. And I mean, so it's like that even just such a minor detail but it has to be perfect for her and and there are so many other examples too that that really resonates I love that you said that because I remember being in a kindergarten class one day and I was covering the entire day for a teacher that was out and in the morning I read my I read Picky Patrick to the kids and they loved it and we had a great conversations and then they had recess they had lunch they came back in the afternoon And the kids were coloring sombreros. And there was a little girl that just started crying, like seemingly out of nowhere, was all red in her face, 
tears streaming and I was like, wow, what happened? What's wrong? And I was like, did somebody do something? Did, so I, did I miss something? And she was trying to tell me what was bothering her and she could barely get the words out. So I'm just trying to get her to breathe and just, you know, take a moment. And then, you know, I found out that she was upset because she colored outside of the lines of the mm -hmm. sombrero, which is those big Mexican hats. It was like Cinco de Mayo or something. And she was upset. She colored outside the lines. And you know what? To an adult, it might seemingly be like this teeny tiny thing. But for a five-year-old, a six-year-old, five six it's a big deal. They feel like they made a big mistake. They don't know how to get past it. Do you know that this little boy got up out of his chair and said, remember, Picky Patrick, it doesn't have to be perfect. And she was like, oh, all right. She wiped her tears away and sat down and kept coloring. That's great. Oh, I love it that. It was like, wow, that was priceless. I was like, yeah. this kid could teach the whole class. I, that's what's so powerful about good books. And there's a lot of really incredible children's books out there that do promote social emotional learning. So we're all busy moms and dads, like choose wisely, pick books that are going to teach them lessons that are valuable, that they will have throughout their lifetime. I did that as a busy mom. And that's what I'm doing as a busy author. I want to write books that are going to serve these children and give them values and help the parents, busy parents, busy educators, give them, give them the tools and the resources to give these kids the, you know, um, the tools that they need, because you know what? I'm, they're not going to fail because they didn't, you know, get the perfect math score on or the perfect ELA score on their state test. They're going to fail in life when they don't know how to like get past problems and challenges and come to resolutions and how to, you know, like work through things with their friends. Like, you know, I, I see it with adults. I was mm -hmm. talking to my sister we, we had like a little spa day and we, she was like, I, I'm talking to a friend of mine and she had a really close friend and they haven't talked in 10 years and they're trying to figure out if and how they can reconnect. And I'm like, wow, they were childhood friends and for 10 years they've been trying to figure out how to reconnect and how to forgive each other and how to move on. I'm like, why, why haven't we figured that out? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually think it's really interesting. I think that this type of scenario, when you have, um, you know, so owning a dance studio, I get blessed to meet lots of different types of parents. And so um, I just think it's, it is so interesting, even, you know, just the older generation, so scared to try new things or mm -hmm. to take a risk on yeah. something just to have the reward or the possibility of failing is so, you know, and I have the same, the same fears, I think, but, um, I think maybe because my dad is an entrepreneur, he really gave me that extra, like, uh, figure it out is kind of what I call it. Yeah. And, um, it's a muscle and it needs practice. Yeah. And so like, I don't, I don't, I rarely see limits. I rarely see anything that's not possible. Like, I mean, I would probably wow. apply for a CEO job of an industry wow. I've never been in, you know, wow. not wow. for what an incredible gift that he gave you. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, some people think it's crazy. Like it's a little nuts. I I mean, I think I'm fairly confident. I've shifted in a lot of different careers. I know nothing about, I certainly know nothing about publishing. I had no business writing a children's book, but here I am and I'm learning and I'm failing and, and making mistakes. But I would definitely never be applying for a CEO position. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't necessarily want to do that, but I'm just saying, I think even for people who deserve that position are scared, you know, and by deserve, I mean like really want it, you know, put in the time and the industry are still scared to, to take that next step. And I think if there's an idea then I'm here to give you a solution to make the idea come to life because I don't know. I just feel like that's super important for my daughter to know that like anything is possible if you want it and you work for it, you go after it. Yes. I love that. It's what you're talking about. It's not, Oh, will I get this job or I don't have the qualifications for this job. It's like, you know what? What could I bring to this company? What could I yeah. bring to that position that nobody else has ever done before? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I've never seen a children's book before that had prompts and questions at the back. And even when I'm in classrooms and there are teachers and principals during my read aloud, they're like, oh, you know, be careful with those questions. They're like, that's risky. And I'm like, wow, I love that. Yeah. I love that. They're like, be careful. I'm not sure if you want to do that. And I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge issue. I think in a lot of people that, you know, we want to be safe and careful and, and yeah, not, and they, they want to, yeah. they want children to be neat and tidy and collect their feelings and have them organized. And I'm like, we're not talking about crayons and pencils. We're not talking about, you know, like these yeah. children need to explore and connect now more than ever. I'm telling parents and educators, I'm trying to reignite storytelling and read alouds and get old school. Call me a dinosaur. Call me old fashioned. I don't care. I don't care. I'm like, we need to connect with kids now more than ever. Do we have devices? Yes. Do they make our life easier, more efficient? A hundred percent. I use all those things. However, when my kids now they're teenage boys and, you know, you know, when I have them and they're not with their dad and we sit down, they know, don't bring your phone to the table, turn it off. I want to have a conversation. I want to know what is going on in your world. And you know what? I feel close to my boys and Mm -hmm. it's not by accident. It's because even when I was an exhausted, confused mother trying to figure it out, navigate through the day because it gets messy, it gets exhausting, it gets, you know, um, impossible. And you're just trying to make it through the end of the day. You know, even then I recognize the value of like spending quality time. And that's what I'm trying to to put out there to moms who have young children now and educators in classrooms, turn off the smart boards. I'm like, I have math lessons and I'm like, okay, I can turn on the Savas and I could turn on the software. No, I'm like, you have books, pull your books out. We're going to write, we're going to use pencils. We're going to use books because you know what I'm recognizing? A lot of these kids, they're not scoring um, poorly because they don't know how to do the math. They're scoring poorly because they don't know how to read the, the math problems. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think it's important. I just think it's, it's really important for parents to be comfortable having those discussions amongst themselves so that they can, they can actually show them and guide them. Yeah. Because I think so often they see words or they hear words, but they don't actually see it happening. Um, So I think, I think that I actually ordered your book while we were talking. So oh, thank you. Yeah, I was so gonna say, I'm gonna, when oh, we get I off here, I'm gonna order it. I thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me. I, you know, I feel like it's a wonderful resource. I mean, I remember many years ago, one of my um, girlfriends, she was a teacher and she was an incredible mother. And I remember once we were going to go like food shopping and I was in the living room and I was, she had two boys as well. And I was just talking with them and catching up while she went to go grab her purse or whatever. And I remember she was waiting and hovering in like her foyer. And I was like, I looked up at her like, are you ready to go? Like, what are we doing? And she was like, she put her finger. She was like, she put her finger on her lips and was like, don't say anything. And I was like, okay. So I just continued doing what I was doing, which was just catching up with her kids. And she told me afterwards, like, what made you do that? And I was like, do what? And she was like, ask those questions. I don't know any of the answers to any of those questions. And I was like, what? Wow. Whoa. Like it, it was, it never occurred to me that other moms were not engaging what seemed and came organically to me. So I was like, I need to find a way to organically, you know, um, in, uh, organically allow other moms and educators to connect with children. And that's what those questions and prompts at the end do, because you read the story and at the end of the story, you ask them, okay, how do you, you know, Picky Patrick wanted everything perfect. How do you define perfect? Mm. Or, you know, you ask them, you know, uh, this character in the story asks for help. Do you ask for help? okay, if you're not asking for help, how do you solve your problems? And you know what? I had kids who said to me, oh, I talked to my goldfish. And I'm like, oh my God, I love that. That's like, it's gold. It's just golden. And then another little girl was like, oh, I don't feel comfortable sometimes asking my mommy or talking to my dad because he's busy, he might get mad. So I like write in my journal And I'm like, I love that journaling is so helpful and it's such a powerful too. And then another kid, you know, volunteers and shares. So you're like, wow, they're literally problem solving and sharing with one another and they learn from each other. And it's so organic and easy. And it's just incredible when, when you sit and you're part of it and it's just the greatest gift. It's so rewarding. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think, I think it's just all very true. And I think it's super awesome to be able to, to kind of have those, those tools as adults, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely can feel that in my own family and like just different cultures, um, like kind of bringing people together as well as at the studio. And then of course, high school students that always have a reason or an excuse, something can't get done. So I think, um, I think it's like super empowering. Yeah. Well, uh, Alini, we are so 
just, I don't know, thankful that you were able to join us today. And so what we always like to do, of course, is, you know, make sure that our audience knows where to either connect with you on or where to, where to buy your, your children's book. Um, and just any of your, you know, platforms or anything like that that you're on so that, you know, people can, you know, keep up to date with you and, and what you have going on next. Of course. I um, thank you for having me. I love what you're doing and you're both an inspiration. So you can go to thekidswelove.com and purchase your your own copy of Picky Patrick and start reading and enjoying the story and the questions at the back and just connect with your children. You're, you are literally creating the foundation that will be there for years to come. And it's the greatest gift that I think I could think of to give yourself and your children. So I hope you enjoy it. Yes, for thank, sure. thank you so much. And it's just been so wonderful to chat with you and just hear about your background and experiences and all that you've done. And oh, I would just say, you. keep inspiring people. Cause yeah. I know that you've inspired both of us and just yeah. so appreciate you being uh, a guest on our podcast and thank we will you. definitely stay connected. And I just want to add quickly, it is cultural Chelsea. I love that you alluded to that, but you know what? You can break that um, cycle. It doesn't have to continue because in my culture, I'm Greek American. There were never conversations about feelings and, you know, mm -hmm. talking about emotions. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, my dad reprimanded us when we would cry and it was, you know, so it's time to change that. It's time to just embrace it. And um, yeah, I, I would love yeah. to be the catalyst for that change. So for thank sure. you. Yeah. And I also, I friend requested you on Facebook. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. I'm on, uh, on Facebook. I love that. I would love to keep in touch with you. Yeah. And, Cause yeah. I have some, I definitely, so this is actually a big part of my mission and goal, even just as an educator at my studio and just in the industry as a whole. So we're definitely on the same page. The other page that we're on is that my daughter wants to actually be a model really bad. So I oh. might have some questions for, for you. For sure, for sure. I'm so, so happy to share. Yeah. So reach out anytime. Think... Anytime you can DM me on Instagram, reach out on Facebook, anything I can help, any questions I can answer. Oh, that's awesome. But I think this has been an awesome podcast, mm -hmm. just even for my family. So my boyfriend's Puerto Rican. So he definitely has a similar upbringing, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like for what yeah. I do know about it. So um, I definitely think that I bought the book. So we're going to do date night. Oh, I'm the so book. <laughs> you know what? We I would love to come to Oklahoma and meet you in person and do yeah. read alouds and take you all by storm. It'd be so much hey, fun. We might come to New York soon too because he's actually from New York, which mm -hmm. is also- What, what part? Okay, if I say this wrong, Oyante, whatever. Oneonta, maybe? Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's where my boyfriend went to school. Oh, my gosh. Well, you have to let me know if you come to New York. Definitely. Sure. Wow. Yeah, no, that's his family is there still. So um, we haven't been, but uh, my daughter wants to go see the Rockettes really bad. So we might. Oh, that's a must. I mean, yeah. you can't come to New York without seeing the Rockettes. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we definitely might do that pretty soon. So yeah, Very such a small cool. world. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah let me know if you come. I definitely have. Maybe a lot they of went to school week. together. Maybe what? your boyfriend and Tony went to school together. 
Me, my boyfriend's a little older. He's fifty-four. I think well, you're. I think your boy. He's forty. He's forty-three. Yeah, but his brother is forty-seven or forty-eight. Yeah. Wow, what's well, so, a small world? Yeah, I know. They may know one another. I know that's so <laughs> wild. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for everything, and I will definitely be in touch. Thank yeah, you. Well, thank you. I look forward to it. Well, I'm going to connect on um, your social platforms too. And yeah, I'm just, I, you know, again, we'll just keep in contact. Obviously you and Chelsea are going to be talking about modeling stuff and <laughs> um, all, all kinds of New York and, um, but definitely appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your day and your week. And um, yeah, yeah, we oh. just appreciate it so much. You too. Thank you. Keep inspiring. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, so we're going to do a recap from our episode with Alini. Yes, it and, was so fun. Oh my gosh, so Picky Patrick yep. is the name of her children's book. Which, ordered it. Yep, so Chelsea's ordered it. I have too. And um, I would encourage, of course, our audience to order it. because sure. it's such a. It seems like, of course, we haven't read it yet, but it seems like such a great book for not only kids, but for adults, just yeah. as we talked about Definitely in good, the like, episode. Conversation starters, probably date night. Yeah, Chelsea and Tony will be having, you know, Picky Chelsea's... Picky Patrick date night. P- Picky Patrick date night. Chelsea's going to be at dinner. <laughs> okay, it's reading time. It's story time. Yeah. And Tony's going to be like, I can't see the pictures. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky for him, we'll probably we'll probably go to Bluestone and do Picky Patrick together. So I'll make it like nice dinner, carry the book. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, It'll yeah, be fun. No, but she was she was awesome. Um, just super I, inspiring. Super inspiring. I mean, a single mom. You know, it sounded like she. I think she Killing said the game out there. She. Um, well, and she is absolutely stunning, too. Yeah. I mean, when she said she was in her mid-50s, yeah, I was like, yet. wait, what? No, yeah. you're not. Yeah. Um, so, would encourage you all to go follow her on Facebook or Instagram and, of course, get her book. Um, one thing that, you know, we uh, that she had mentioned was, um, well, I think it's really cool that she thinks that we're inspiring, um, which... I honestly kind of think that's funny, but I don't know. I think because I am. It's not funny. We are inspired. I think because I'm one of those people that are not like you. That's like, I can be the CEO and I'll apply to that job. And, yeah. You what's know, crazy. No is limits. Like, yeah. I don't think that way because I don't. don't. But it's so interesting because I don't feel like you are that person either. Because I look at you and you're like, no, I'm going to say something to them. And I'm like, I'm not. That's But I think that's different. I get, I don't know. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I think I don't back down from conflict. I do. Which you do. Yeah. But you will go and apply for a job that you meet one of the boxes and none of the other 10 where I am like, I have to check at least eight to nine of those in order for me to apply. I think it's different in, like, maybe, like, a professional, like... Well, it's because what you do for a living is check people's boxes. Right. Exactly. I think that it's very, yeah, very HR of me to be like, well, I'm not going to apply to that. But I think you should change the HR world and really take on where she said, 
like I'm interviewing the person, not the resume. And so I think you should change the game. You know, I think that that would be great if I like started my own recruiting firm or something, but you also have to listen to your clients and your customers about what they are looking for. I mean, that's the key is that, well, then we need to actually start training the clients. It's like, you need to change the whole world mindset. (laughs) Of how, you know, I mean, some, you know, there are very unique skill sets and stuff that you have to have experience on. Or, yeah, I think for trades and things like that, but software programs and any kind of technology can be taught You that is needed to run the program. Well, it depends on how, in my world, it depends on how um, willing they are to train. And so, well, I mean, that's definitely a skill set. Maybe that's not negotiable, I think. But yeah, I think, um, I just think everybody should be interviewing the person and not the resume because people lie all the time. So a resume is like, what? I could say that I had experience and I could talk, I could educate myself because I have a computer. So I think depending on, you know, I guess if, if people really do their due diligence and like do the background checking and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. I just think it goes back to training the person because I went to school for political science and there's not very much I know about it, you know? Yeah. But I just, I, that's again, that's why I think it goes back to the person. It's, yeah. it's not necessarily the degree or the... I know. I think it's a combination of the two. And you have to, like, balance those two that where you yeah. can't just, like, look at the training and the experience and the skill set that the person has. Mm-hmm. And you have to look at, you know, like I was saying, like, hiring for what the future of that yeah. individual's career kind of looks like for your company or whatever it is. Yeah. but. I just, um, I definitely like her approach, her authentic yeah. approach of I'm going to this place because I want to get yeah. this job and this. And then she turned down there. the job. She but, turned down the job. That's even better. Which is, you know, for even for valid reasons of yeah. not wanting to work overnight, and since she wanted to be yeah. involved in her I just life. But yeah, the big picture is if you want it, then apply for it. Yeah. And if you don't meet the qualifications from what if they're not going to give you a shot or if they're not ready to hire you make them ready to hire you it's what I tell my kids at the studio all the time that are competing like I may not always agree with the judges or I may not always agree with the outcome but you still make yourself undeniable and so if you're undeniable or memorable at some point you're going to get what you deserve yeah so finding that we can argue like, oh, you didn't like what I liked, but if you're undeniable, you just keep trying and yeah. keep trying until you get it. So, um, here's a little like thing I did actually, I think it was yesterday probably. So my daughter really wants to be a model, which is ironic that she's a model and whatnot. And I know, I know the process. I know you get an agent. I know the agent books you. I know you usually have to live pretty close and things like that. And Things have to be a little easy to get your name out there and build your reputation, etc. But, um, I mean, I think my kids are cute, probably biased, but I mean, I think they're pretty cute. Yeah, they're pretty cute. Okay, so they both do well with the camera. So I, like, went to the Gap website. I went all the way down to, like, corporate. And then I found, like, their marketing person. And I found, like, their event planner person. And I just shot him a quick email with some pictures. Hey. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Exactly. I I haven't heard back yet. 
Yeah. But I just thought it was funny because yeah. I did the same thing that she was telling us about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's a good lesson for me is that you just kind of go with, go for what you want. I mean, I would love to quit corporate America and like either do this thing full time or something else full time. But, you know, the reality is for me is that that's not possible right now. Um, Chelsea would say, yes, it is because, um, she has no limits. Um, but for me, it is, I have to have like some stability or whatever. And like, or I just kind of feel like my world is just kind of like floundering and, and that's the control, you know, I think the perfection, you know, part of it, of, of who I am. And, um, but I'm, I don't know. I just, I don't even know. Like, I just really liked her so much. Yeah, and now I'm like, okay, if you go to New York, I'm going to have to go with you. And okay. I will go with you. Okay. Well, we could go in a few weeks if you want. Yeah. In a few weeks? Maybe for your birthday. Oh, yeah. Maybe for my birthday we could go to New York. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Um. Anyway. So. <laughs> She's going to be 40. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. In a few weeks I'll be 40. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was looking at my face the other day, and this is totally off recap, uh-huh. but, like, the lines, like, in between uh-huh. your eyebrows, uh-huh. what is that called? Frown lines? Is it frown lines? I don't know. I think it might be. And I was like, it's not the lines on your forehead, but it's the little thing in uh-huh. between. You want to go get Botox with me? No, I don't. But I was like, man, my skin looks weird. Like, loose. Yeah, it just anyway. You can go get it. I'm she'll, not gonna she'll go pray get it. about it. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I will. I'm not gonna get it. But anyway, I just I need to get more good skincare from my friend. But um, anyway, so so we really really like her. So I would just uh, go get Picky Patrick. Read it for yourself. Read it to your spouse. Read it to your kids. And um, yeah, definitely she was fun. Yeah, definitely follow her, and we're excited. And if we end up going to New York and meeting her in person... We'll do another podcast. We will do another podcast with her in person. Yep. Um, And obviously, we are going to have to update you all to see if Tony and Tony's brother... No, her boyfriend. her boyfriend. (laughs) So, which is such a small world. So, all right. Until next time, thanks for listening.